Yes, all aboard. It's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. And the train is building up ahead of steam. So grab your ticket. It's free. Get on board. This train will be picking up passengers along the way. Taking you on a sports journey. So, enjoy the ride. It's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your conductor, Anthony Smith. Anthony Smith here with A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, your conductor. Just want to let you know that this podcast is listener supported. That's right, driven by you, the listener, who wants to support. So click on that support button down there. You have three options, 99 cents a month, $4.99 a month, or $9.99 a month. We'll get your ad rent on this podcast. So click the support button. Your support will be greatly appreciated. Once again, Anthony Smith with the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Want to enhance your workout? Try the workout bands everyone is talking about. Three different resistance levels. Light, medium, and heavy. Only at www.kakeybums.com That's www.kakeybums.com www.kakeybums.com To enhance your workout, with the resistance bands that everyone is talking about. Hey, what's happening? It's Rick Thomas with Running the Table, and you already know you are on board the A-Train. Hang on for the ride. Welcome to a Sunday edition. Well, actually, this will be the Monday edition of the A-Train Sports Talk podcast. And let's just go ahead and start things off by saying congratulations to the Stanford Cardinal women's basketball team on becoming the NCAA Women's National Championship. Let's see how that played out. Five seconds left. McDonald, two seconds. McDonald traps. He's champion. That is it. Stanford survives again. The Stanford Cardinal national champions in 2021. Stanford is your national champion. 
Yes, once again, Stanford walks away in a hard-fought game between a team that wasn't expected to be there and gave Stanford everything they wanted. You know the old adage, it's hard to beat a team three times in one season. And at one moment when it looked like Stanford had Arizona on the ropes, Arizona with a gutsy performance that Stanford know we're not that same team that you beat by double digits two previous times. So the possession entered the official play-by-play as Stanford, as a Stanford turnover shot clock violation. Cardinal, thanks to a lackadaisical final 30 seconds of possession, gave the Arizona Wildcats the ball back with 6.1 seconds left. Down one, 54-53. There were one shot or two free throws from snatching a championship from the Cardinal in the women's NCAA tournament on Sunday. That obviously did not happen. Stanford survived thanks to a strong initial defense on the inbound pass to Arizona superstar Ari McDonald, who caught the ball with her back to the basket. Stanford's Anna Wilson, remember that name, Anna Wilson? Does it ring a bell? Didn't allow McDonald to penetrate and find a lane to the basket. A triple team consisting of the Cardinals, Cameron Brink, and Lexi Hull swarmed her from both sides, and McDonald heaved a prayer over them. The ball hit the back of the rim and fell out of the cylinder as the buzzer sounded. McDonald sprawled on the floor in despair. Stanford was jubilant. Unfortunately for Arizona and McDonald, everybody, especially Stanford, knew she would have the ball in her hands. Arizona coach Adia Barnes wouldn't have it any other way, she told reporters after the game. It was Ari or nothing, she said. Who could blame Barnes? Sure, McDonald, despite scoring a game-high 22 points and going 1 for 11 on two-point attempts, 4 for 9 from 3, and missed 4 of 12 free throws. But she is the Wildcats' senior leader, their best scorer, the Pac-12 Player of the Year, who'd had 93 consecutive games with more than 10 points. We've been on Ari's back the whole tournament, so she's got to take that shot, she said. Nancy Armour tweeted on that last play. Adia says it was Ari or nothing. We've been on Ari's back the whole tournament, so she's got to take that shot. I got denied hard, McDonald said. I tried to turn the corner. They sent three at me. I took a tough contested shot, and it didn't fall. As for the Stanford mishap, one of 21 turnovers on the night for the Cardinal that made Arizona's last chance a possibility. McDonald had sunk two free throws to make it a one-point game, and the Cardinal had called timeout to set up the possession. The ball wound up in the hands of guard Kiana Williams. She dribbled and dribbled and dribbled. With three seconds left on the shot clock, she forced the pass to the high post that was tipped. The shot clock expired as the ball rolled toward midcourt and out of bounds. Barnes called a timeout and dialed up a play for McDonald. 
she heaved it. It was the longest second, Cardinal coach Tara Vanderveer said of McDonald's shot. We're very fortunate to win. So there you have it. Once again, the Stanford Cardinal women's national champion. Now we move our attention toward another story here. How much was Jalen Suggs' final shot? How much was Jalen Suggs' final four shot worth? And we're going to look at what some of the experts have to say most likely. Gonzaga point guard Jalen Suggs' 40-foot buzzer beater to top UCLA on Saturday night in the Final Four provided a generational moment for the NCAA tournament. It electrified Twitter, prompted countless TikTok reenactments, and will live forever in highlight reels. As college athletics and the NCAA tournament sit on the precipice of unprecedented change in the next year, Suggs' shot raises a new question for the collegiate sporting landscape how much is a moment like that worth and how could the next epic buzzer beater be monetized as ncaa sports on the cusp of an era of athletes being allowed to profit off their names image and likenesses that question will be ushered to the forefront next year as the ncaa supreme court and countless politicians attempt to figure out just how collegiate athletes will be able to take advantage of their NIL, which is name, image, and likeness. While the details are still unclear, leaders around college athletics expect by next season there will be some sort of way that high-profile athletes like Suggs can capitalize off their signature moments. So how much is a 40-foot buzzer beater to clinch a spot in the national title game and keep alive a perfect season worth? And what could the heroes of the 2022 men's and women's Final Fours be receiving in compensation? It's not an immediate term, said Zach Sokin, the co-founder of Voltage Management, which works with athletes and brand consulting. But over the course of Suggs' life, this is worth millions of dollars. Considering the lack of clarity from the NCAA, which has resisted this issue for years instead of enable it, it's difficult to estimate concisely. But it's certain that that moment, that the moment would be lucrative both instantly and later on down the road. It's really impossible to measure the value, but it elevates him for the rest of his life, so Sarkin said. Obviously, Jalen Suggs isn't Zion Williamson. But he enters the league as a bigger star than Anthony Edwards, the number one pick in the 2020 NBA draft. The average American sports fan just didn't know who Suggs was before Saturday night. Now he's a hero. And those instant heroes will soon be entering a fascinating new world that's shrouded in optimism, uncertainty, and some concern for how how different things will look. How athletes could profit off big moments. It's fitting to view the future of name, image, and likeness 
through two of the biggest stars in this year's men's and women's NCAA tournament. The fact that Jalen Suggs and UConn's Paige Beckers are close friends from their native Minnesota just happens to be a coincidence. There are two ways to view potential sponsorship deals for both, which is instructive as to where college athletics is going. There's the ability to profit instantly off an iconic moment and leveraging collegiate success for long-term relationships with brands. Let's start with Suggs, who just experienced a rare NCAA moment that combined an impossible buzzer beater, undefeated season, and the elevated stage of the Final Four. How much could he profit off that in the next 48 hours before the title game tips off? Could Bank of America, for example, want to capitalize off of the bank shot? I bet a company would pay six figures for him today because he's so hot, said Peter Miller, the founder of the Jabez Marketing Group, who works with pro athletes like Dak Prescott. But Miller stressed that the long-term view is going to be more important than the short-term view. Suggs has 440,000 Instagram followers as of Sunday night. He has 28,000 followers on Twitter. Neither of those social channels mentioned his moment as of Sunday night, but plenty did But plenty did that work for him. LeBron James, Kevin Love, Dwayne Wade, Lonzo Ball, and nearly every prominent Gonzaga basketball alum tweeted about his shot. Miller said that if he were negotiating for Suggs, he'd advise him not to do anything imminently. Much of the long-term value for Suggs will be amplified or diminished depending on whether Gonzaga wins or loses on Monday. It's not like he could film a commercial for Gatorade on Sunday and it'd be aired during the game. The problem is that his window is so tight, Miller said. If they lose against Baylor tomorrow night, it's all forgotten. If they win 10 years from now, people will think that shot won the tournament. So, what's the value of a Final Four run to a player? In many ways, UConn's backers may be able to accumulate more sponsors because of her larger following, 790,000 Instagram followers, and the platform afforded by UConn's juggernaut women's team. I think there's a decent chance that Paige could make money, make more money than any college athlete next year, Sockin said. He added that Iowa women's phenom Caitlin Clark, Caitlin Clark may not be far behind and that both of their presence in college basketball next year will elevate the eyeballs on that sport. One of the biggest misconceptions early in the NIL conversation was that it'll only be a factor for men, Soskin said. Two years ago, Sabrina Onescu would have out-earned all of the men's players. Next year, Paige probably will. So how can these athletes make money? Blake Lawrence, the CEO and co-founder of Open Doors, rattles off all the ways athletes, both stars and role players, could end up profiting. He says to imagine Capital One or any other official sponsor paying athletes for selfies, TikToks, and Instagram stories. Could breakout stars do cameo video? Could stars do their own news conference on Twitch with fans tipping them to show support? Imagine the volume of tips from grateful and potentially overserved Zags fans if Suggs went on Twitch after the game late Saturday.
There's the local restaurant bar, car dealerships, and memorabilia stores in the college towns that could draw big business from a player's appearance. Or could a player sign their game-worn shoes from a star performance and sell them? Lawrence estimates the ceiling for a high-end player like Buckeye, like Buker, like Beckers, or Suggs could be worth about $175,000 for the NCAA tournament. This estimate came before Suggs is shot, which could clearly be an amplifier. What about everyone else? On the low end, $10,000 could be earned by nearly every Final Four player through a combination of different methods, Lawrence said. On the high end, the breakout stars of the tournament could earn more than $100,000. So how will it work? Well, what we will do is we will explain how it will work when I come back after this word from my sponsors. So stay tuned. It's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your conductor, Anthony Smith. Hey, what's happening? It's Rick Thomas with Running the Table, and you already know you are on board the A-Train. Hang on for the ride. Welcome back to my next episode, my next segment, shall I say, not my next episode, my next segment. And we were talking about how much Jalen Sugg shot worth, potentially, if you look at the short term and the long term of it, and we were breaking it down as to how this could possibly work out. So now we get to the point, how will it work? Well, Baylor Athletic Director Mac Rhodes has been bubbled with the Bears for nearly a month here in Indianapolis. He admits that one year from now, he has no idea what the NCAA tournament or college football playoff would look like from the chair of the athletic director. Part of the ambiguity comes with the lack of guidance from the NCAA at how such a drastic change will work. An era of mystery still hangs over the actual execution of how players will handle sponsorships. Will there be, for example, an hour of sponsor time built in after the media availability? Are brands going to have creative teams at the college football playoff or Final Four to help the players produce content for advertisement? How will the ability of players to make money intersect with practices, film, and team meals? I think uncertainty always makes us cautious, probably nervous, Rhodes said in a phone interview on Sunday. We all want to control the situation. It's hard to control something that we don't have a clear pathway for yet. I think we all believe we'll get to the other end of this and we'll hopefully end in a good spot for our institutions and student athletes. But yeah, it's a little bit unnerving not knowing which direction we're headed. What's had administrators further unnerved is the combination of the unknown NIL rules with the expected passage of the one-time transfer rules in the upcoming months. There are already more than 1,000 players in the NCAA transfer portal for basketball because of the expected passage of the rules. College athletics is going to change here in the next 12 to 24 months 
more than it's changed in the last 10 years, Rose said. Or it sure feels like it. Notre Dame Athletic Director Jack Swarbrick told Yahoo Sports that the one-time transfer rule will have more of an impact on how teams are built and how the Final Four will look in the future than the NIL legislation. The ability to transfer without losing playing time is going to annually reshape rosters, as we're seeing. And while specifics of how NIL will be legislated haven't been determined, there's a general sense of how it will look. We've understood for a while that's what it's going to be, Swarbrick said. You just have to be okay with it. For Sky Clark, a top 10 recruit in the class of 2022 is, who is committed to Kentucky, the future is filled with both promise and mystery. He's a potential breakout star in the 2022-23 college basketball season, and that means his family is exploring new avenues as they wait to see what NIL legislation looks like. Clark has played grassroots ball with Ronnie James, which has helped elevate his Instagram following to 252,000, and his family is beginning to consider how they can take advantage of that. We're just trying to be as proactive as possible, Clark's father, Kenny said. I've been talking to various marketing groups and stuff, just trying to prepare for it so we can hit the ground running. The lesson from Suggs' shot to future generations may be in the depth way he handled the moment. He celebrated with unrelenting vigor, with unrelenting vigor and then described the play with an authenticity and genuineness, reflecting back to being a kid shooting on his mini hoop in a way that made him likable and relatable. He handled the moment so well, Soskin said. It gave him a platform to show who he was for the people to say, this kid is great. And that platform in the near future will bring with it a lot of value. So there you have it. What that shot meant and how much that shot could be worth. What I liked about that story was it didn't just talk about him. It also talked about Paige Becker's UConn freshman sensation. One of the other things I want to look at before I call it an evening, as we get ready to crown a national championship on Monday, a national champion on Monday on the men's side. A lot of talk goes around what has been going through the minds of Gonzaga as they pursue perfection. Well, Zungaga coach Mark Few reveals Bob Knight's advice to him as his team tries to equal Indiana's 32-0 season. What do Gonzaga coach Mark Few and Hall of Fame coach Bob Knight have in common? For starters, they both love to fly fish. And Few reveals Sunday that he and Knight have had several discussions about coaching over the years, fishing poles involved. Interesting. Most notably, both coaches have an undefeated label attached to their name. 
confused 31-0 Gonzaga team is trying to do what Knight's team did in 1976. Finish as national champions with a perfect 32-0 record. We've had some great discussions, never really about that particular team, Futile reported Sunday on a national championship news conference, just about coaching in general. I had the opportunity to play his teams when Knight was at Texas Tech. A couple of times, I just tried to sit and listen. Few said he has fond memories of the 32-0 Hoosiers team that Knight coached. It was the last Division I men's college basketball team to finish undefeated. Several teams have come close, namely UNLV in 1991 and Kentucky in 2015, only to crumble to the Final Four. Gonzaga meets Baylor Monday in the national championship. That team was one of the greats, if you recall, of the 76 Indiana squad. What a team that was. I remember watching them and rooting for them because they were a team. That's what I have. We're a team. So all along as an undefeated season has started gaining steam, it's just been an honor to be even mentioned in the same breath with those guys. We've never really been thinking about it going undefeated. We're just trying to win the next game. Our goal all along is just to win this NCAA tournament. Now, here we are, one game away. Knight 80 retired from coaching in 2008 and was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1991. So there you have some thoughts on Mark Few and his conversations with the general, Bob Knight. Well, this is going to put a wrap on this episode. I hope you have enjoyed it. It wasn't lengthy as most of my other ones are, but I hope you found it to be very informative. As we get ready to crown a national championship. And like I said on my last episode, did I read? When you look at the landscape of college basketball this year, what they've had to go through, games postponed, uh, the fact that some games were postponed because of COVID-related, schedules had to be reshuffled. If you were in a college town where you see these young men out and about, take the time, not just the young men, but the young women as well, too. If you're out and about in these college towns, you see these young men, young women, take the time to tell them thank you. Understand, even though with, all, with the landscape of college basketball, football about to change and they're coming up with this name, image, and likeness discussion, at best, these players are not paid professional athletes. So the least we could do is show them some gratitude and tell them thanks. Because what they do is they entertain. You see them on the TV screens. You see them playing in the Final Fours. You see them playing in college football playoffs. But if under these times that we were playing up under, under a pandemic, not knowing who had COVID-19, having to do 
COVID-19 tracing. How unnerving can that be? And you have young men that really haven't started to really live their lives, but at the same time, they put on a uniform with the school's name on it to do what I would say even the professional level isn't really doing. Why would I say that? Because politics have infiltrated into professional sports athletes. But it's not all their fault either. Let me let me back that up. Let me back up. It's not all the professional athletes' fault. You have to give some of the blame to the media. When something happens, they want to ask players. And in most cases, it's players of color, what they think about social issues that are going on. So when you put a microphone in their face after asking them a question, you have to darn near be ready to receive the answer that they're going to give you. So that's what separates professional athletes from the college athletes, because the college athletes, yes, even though they're starting to build up a platform, their platform is not as prominent as the pro athletes because they're not getting asked the questions that the professional athletes are being asked. So therefore, at the end of the day, at best, they are trying to entertain masses of people. We, the consumer who wants to turn on these games and watch and I'm trying to keep my tongue in cheek in check. But if I use language that's a little bit uncolorful that y'all know it to be, just overlook me. I'm pretty sure some of y'all have language that's a little bit more damning than what I'm about to say. But we, the consumer, the general public that watch these young college men and women, when they mess up, we bitch and complain about it. We want to hammer on them like they're professional athlete. Very seldomly, unless the coach is just coaching that bad, and I can and I can tell you right now, I know some Kansas State fans. They wish right now that Kansas State would do something with Bruce Weber. I could care less. I'm a Wichita State fan. He's been scared to play Wichita State ever since he got there. But it's not about that. It's about these young college athletes that are entertaining us, the public. And I can't stress this enough. Men's athletics, and especially women's athletics. I shared this on my last episode. I'm going to share it on this one. Back when my daughter was a little child, I would take her to Wichita State women's basketball games. Wasn't a packed house. I take that back. The only time it was packed was when they were playing at the time they were known as Southwest Missouri State. Jackie Styles in town. It was Henry Levitt Arena, now known as Coke Arena. But it was the fact that I get to see these young women play this game and they play with so much passion. They could care less if there's a thousand people or ten thousand people. They're going to lay it all out online. Why? Because somebody's there to watch them and appreciate their gifts. And that's all I'm saying as I close this podcast out. Appreciate what these young men and women have done at these various campuses. You may have an affiliation to one of the schools and you may not. You may be an Ohio State fan and you can't stand Michigan, but at the end of the day, these are young people. 
entertaining us, the masses. The least we could do is say thank you. So to the NCAA Women's National Champion, the Stanford Cardinal, and the runner-up, the the runner-up, the Arizona Wildcats. I simply say thank you for making it through the season. Thank you for entertaining those who were tuned in. Thank you. And to the men's, I know their game is tomorrow. I want to say it in advance. Thank you.